Hello, this is Dr. Beverly Wright, and thank you for listening to Tag Data Talk, sponsored by Emory Continuing Education and hosted by Dr. Beverly Wright. Tag Data Talk covers topics on the current state and future outlook of analytics and data science using an interview format with professionals and academics to discuss use cases, future trends, talent and skills, organizational structures, tool advancements, and other topics related to data science. Thanks for listening. Hello, this is Dr. Beverly Wright, and thanks for joining us for Tag Data Talk. With us today, we have Spencer Taft, Director of Business Analytics and Data Services at Cox Enterprises, and we're talking about balancing offensive and defensive analytics strategies. Thanks for joining us, Spencer. Thank you for having me. Awesome. To be here. Yeah, we're glad to have you, especially because you're a member of Tag Data Science and Analytics Board, like myself. Actually, you're the what? What is it? Co-lead. You're the. I am you're the, the chair. Key. The chair right now, and after this year, I'll be um, back on the board. And um, so I'll hand off to Tony Verde, who will pick up that role. Fantastic. So, yeah. Well, it's great to be here with um, someone involved in tag. So let's start off with an intro. Tell us why are you so cool? I don't know if I'm that cool, but um, kind of a nerd. I would say, you know, in my role at Cox Enterprises, um, first off, I've been with the company 12 years. And over that time, we've done a lot of different things with data and analytics from consolidations um, on the financial side. We've done things with HR data, but in my role today, um, I focus on data visualization, advanced analytics, as well as data warehousing that support um, the functions, many different functions at Cox. Fantastic. What'd you do before that? Before that, I worked um, in a startup mode for a company called IXL, which is local here in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I've got a little story that I'll tell you later about. Oh, okay. That I've seen some, some patterns. Got to hold out for the stories. All right. right. And uh, I hear you're a Vandy fan or something like that. Uh, that's right. It's a, um, a decent school from what I can tell. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> from a basketball situation this year, not so much, but maybe next year. We just fired our head coach. Oh. Uh, so it's kind of tough there, but we're not in March Madness, but uh, maybe next year. Yeah. Great. But well, that's right. Vanderbilt grad in 93. Fantastic. Um, well, let's first start off by talking about what what do we mean by offensive and defensive defensive strategies in analytics? Like, what what is that about? Okay. Well, since we were just talking about basketball, we can talk a little bit about the offense and defense strategies in in that game, and just maybe apply them as far as the uh, topics within using data. So, as you see the market, there's a lot of people that are using data very aggressively. Some of them are in the news, like Facebook. Um, where they're taking a little bit, um, I would say, uh, they're crossing the line when it comes to data privacy, things like that. Um, and then there's some people that probably are on the too conservative side. They're too defensive and they're too afraid to use data to create um, competitive advantage ah. for their for their companies. Um, so I think there's a balance between using the right offensive and defensive strategies in, in, in that regard. Ah, gotcha. So when we think of offensive analytic strategy, does this mean that not only are you using your internal data, but you're augmenting with government data, you're using um, maybe some partner data, you're, you're, you're being very aggressive about, um, I would think, the, the richness of what you have and what you can harness? That's right. I mean, taking a look at your capital investments, there are some people that, you know, store data that they'll never use. And I don't think that's that's prudent for anybody. But there's some people that, that have data that they could store, but they don't manage it. They don't back it up. They don't secure it. They don't create the right um, data services layers to those, those data assets. And I think that's, um, you know, for 
a lot of companies, that's going to be an opportunity that's lost. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it's it's the right balance of putting the right effort, the right people, um, technology uh, around using data, and also having a business purpose in mind on how you're going to get the value out of that. Nice. So that's the data side. On the defensive data side, that would be probably purely internal data and maybe only one piece of the internal data um, story so that it's much more conservative and much more, it sounds like limited maybe. Yeah. On the defensive side of the house, you know, I think you can look at it and say, um, you know, if, um, if you, if you don't have proper data governance and access controls in place, I'm not going to get technical about that, but Mm -hmm. if you don't have, um, a good foundation on, what is what is considered, um, you know, pr- the privacy concerns? There's lots of lots of conversations right now with GDPR, and also the California data regulations. Those are those are things that companies have to be aware on the defensive side of the house. Otherwise, you know, there's lawsuits, there's data breaches, there's a multitude, you know, of things that um, can happen if you're not playing a good side of your defensive um, data strategy. So gotcha. those gotcha. are the things where I would consider, you know, you've got you've to be careful mm-hmm. with the data that you have, and you've also got to make sure that you're not exposed to risk, and um, it, albeit that could be regulatory or legal, like I just said. So, gotcha. Yeah. And so that's sort of data offensive and de- defensive. But what about analytics and data science? Like, is there a way to be offensive and defensive? Would an offensive data science strategy mean you're using deep learning and you're really, you know, going out on a limb and you're doing more innovation, whereas defensive is, is just sticking to the basics? Or what would that look like? That's a great question. So from an offensive, um, you know, on the offensive spectrum, you know, you could have a, um, in, in the advanced analytics space, you could have a model that, that predicts a price for a particular service for your company. And then you might be able to hand that over to the pricing strategies group or the pricing operations group on area. For us, we have lots of different products and services. Cox Automotive is, has you know, tons of products like Kelly Blue Book, Auditor.com, things like that. Um, the way we price cars for, for our auctions. And then in the, at Cox Communications, we have uh, lots of different opportunities to price products and services. So I think where things are going is that we're going to see people take the, on the offensive side, start with um, a recommendation on the pricing, and then over time it'll become an operational automatic. Um, you know, based on this customer, this is the right price that you should you know um, apply. And those are um, obviously long-term things, but we're starting to see a lot of that happen not only at, at Cox but across the industry that where I'm people I'm talking to. Ah, oh, very nice. Now, does the strategy for your offensive-defensive balance, does that lead or does that lag behind company attributes? Like, how do you decide that balance and that strategy? Is it is it based on the cult, company cultural fit? Is it based on the skill set? Or does it sort of, you pick that first and the company follows? How does that look? Is it a leader lag? I would say um, it's probably a combination, but I think the largest um, driver of that probably is the leader, senior leadership of, of your company. Mm. Um, people that um, you know that drive analytics into um, into their organizations are the ones that are going to be the most offensive and drive um, you know the most value from from an offensive standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, I use the example of Jeff Bezos. I mean, when back in the day. When he started that company, it was a data-driven company from ground zero. Yeah, I mean, data moves on, you know, APIs. There's no files. There is not going to be this 
and then that built the foundation for advanced analytics. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in you know, some things ways, like that. not to mention the price, the advanced analytics that you see with you know Amazon on the website. You know, this you, know, you um, users that bought or people that bought this also bought that. Those were analytical driven, you know, um, functions that mm-hmm. that were built from from the ground up. And you didn't really say it, but it sounds like um, there's also a dependency too. Like there's, if your company is just completely built on data and modeling, then there's a dependency, and you're probably going to have to take more of an uh, aggressive offensive route, wouldn't you say? I would definitely agree with that. Okay, yep, no question. And then the second thing you mentioned was um, senior leadership. So if if senior leadership just knows that the return on investment is there for um, for data and data modeling and things like that. Then maybe they just say, like, we're going to build data-inspired decision-making, period. And so if that's the case, you can still have um, more defensive where it's not incredibly complex and it's simplistic. Um, but it sounds like if senior leadership sort of makes that decision. Like, I'm I'm actually seeing some companies, because as you know, I'm in consulting, and so I see a lot of different companies and what they're doing, that that establish committees. And the, it's, a, it's a machine learning AI committee. You know, and so they have this sledgehammer that's in search of problems that goes around the organization. So it sounds like that would be considered more of an offensive, as an example, right? Because they're yeah, trying to. I would agree. With that. I would agree yeah, okay. I would agree with that. Where there's an organizational change that's driving more advanced analytics usage, uh, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, you know, I would say there. You know, you also have um, situations where you let people have a little bit more leeway, a little bit more capital to run with, and not have you know, an ROI scrutiny on this particular spend because you're going to be able to, you know, that leadership believes that there's, um, um, you know, that there's value, there's gold in them, their hills, <laughs> yeah. shall we say. And so that they're able to give, um, give, give those organizations, those areas and those teams that are working um, a little bit more of a, a wide lane to, to operate in and so that they can have kind of like a, a faster lane to get things done. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Now, um, so the, the top, the top uh, drivers are the culture side, meaning senior leadership, the second being a dependency. And then the third, you, again, I sort of pulled it out of uh, some of what you said is the competitiveness of the market. Like if their top competitors are using data and modeling in a very advanced way, they probably need to be somewhat offensive and aggressive, right? That's exactly right. And I mean, we're seeing that that kind of competition happen with with different parts of our business. And I'm not going to go into them for Mm-hmm. For, uh, for for Privacy reasons that you, you can yeah. understand, <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, there's no question. I think that a lot of times the um, companies that um, are not digital natives, you know, that are not born with um, using data for their core business, um, mm-hmm. have to evolve and react a little bit more. And once they see their competition doing that, they have to they have to take an aggressive, more offensive, you know, approach to um, creating value with it, advanced analytics as opposed to getting their lunch eaten by, you know, Company X, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, um, from listening, it seems like the the sort of sexy side is the offensive, but do we all want to move toward that? Or are there certain situations where it makes sense to just be like really, really solid with your defensive? Like what did, walk us through that some. That's a great question. I mean, for um, for a company that, that's cock size, we're, we have 55, 54,000 employees right now um, and, you know, a little bit over 20 billion in revenue. So, we have a we have a lot at stake. So we're not we're while we're in the growth mode, and we want to uh, drive a lot of uh, good things that we want to have to see in the future. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we have um, we have a lot of things to protect. Um, uh. 
So, and also people are gunning for us. So we have to look at um, our defensive data strategies and look at those and be you know very thoughtful about how we're protecting our data, how we're protecting our customers' data, as well as our employees, and make sure that you know that there's not um, that we're not in the news. So yeah. those are things yeah. that I think that's 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 one of the bigger um, hurdles for a lot of people, especially when you you know if you look at um, using data to hire and recruit mm-hmm. recently. You know, there's a lot of conversations around. Um, ethics and AI. I think yeah. you're going to be part of one of those parts of our series with that uh, yes. data science and analytics group, mm-hmm. which I appreciate. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, there are ethical things on whether or not does that um, algorithm have bias. You could get sued. You you could potentially be sued for having your data analytics program that are not um, that are not equitable. And those are things that people are, are really looking at right now. Gotcha. Yeah. So I mean, if you're talking about artificial intelligence, it's it's emulating human behavior. And if humans are biased, then are we training machines, therefore, to become biased? And so there, that does bring in um, a lot more complication and more questions for us. Now, is there a limiting factor to um, to these? Like, for example, I'm thinking, well, gosh, you really have to have your, you know, analytics kind of stuff together. <laughs> you got to have a good skill set to be on the aggressive side, whereas the defensive side, maybe you don't need quite as strong of a skill set. Like there's a talent pool and the skill of the organization. And you also mentioned culture, like what limits us from being where we need to be, you know, or do you just decide and then you build your company around that? That's a good question. So I think you can actually use the same skill set to be defensive. We're like, we're a good example. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but we're using data and analytics to protect, you know, potential fraud, uh, double, you know, when it comes to someone time trying to take advantage of AP process or someone trying to, you know, take advantage of vulnerability. So um, I'm actually, um, I've got a person on my team who's our data scientist that's focused on a defensive view of, you know, protecting the castle. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's connecting dots on, you know, you know, users log in and location. Why is there the same person who's in Europe and also in Mexico hitting this web our website to change their payroll deduction or right, you know, right. some kind of some sketchy stuff like that? So um, I guess to say that to say that you you can take the same skill set that you have and apply it towards defensive strategies and then over time evolve them to be potentially focused on. You know whether that's optimization um, for any sort of business, you know, pro- problem that you have, right? Or using different data structures, or or being able to answer more complex questions and being more offensive on that side. Gotcha. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Last uh, couple of questions is: How do you know when you've really succeeded? Like, what does success look like? Like, how do you know? Like, oh man, we did a great job of balancing our offensive and defensive analytic strategies. Not what does that question. look like? I, mean, I think you, when you have a comfort level on the business side telling you that there are good business returns that are coming back at the same time you have you know people aren't calling you say hey you're breaking process on managing Mm -hmm. or using this data or your your chief information security officer is um um, is very happy and his pulse isn't too high and he (laughs) yeah you're staying out you're you're staying out of of the news that would be what one indicator that's true yeah so the solutions kind of fit the business problem and you're you're keeping your company safe that's like those are a couple of things that's exactly right all right awesome cool 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 what final piece of advice would you offer to an analytics professional trying to 
um, really come up with this balance of offensive and defensive analytic strategies? What one thing would you tell them to do? Wow, that's good. I would say um, being able to communicate the work that they're doing in business terms, mm-hmm. and that can go offensive or defense. So if if um, you know the the traditional data scientist um, demographic mm-hmm. is probably leans a little bit more towards you know being more of a quant, being more technical, less communicative, mm-hmm. um, not being able to ter- talk in terms of business value. Yeah, and if they can cross that chasm, I think that's that's a big one. Very nice. Yeah. Very good. Any other um, words of wisdom or pieces of advice for us? Actually, I do have um, one one little thing. It kind of goes in turn, kind of what we were just talking about with uh, the skill sets of data scientists. Yeah. And, um, you know, one of the things that we've done really, uh, this is switching topics, but with uh, within the state of Georgia, you know, especially Atlanta, we've become a monster movie making location. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've dominated. We've we've we're actually. I th- I, you can check check the facts on this, but I think we're making more movies than Hollywood in some cases on you know some particular parts of the time. But the net net is we've taken a we've taken a lot of market share from California and Hollywood in this area in mm-hmm. this industry, and I would love to see us do the same thing in the advanced analytics and data science space. Oh. so that we have a ton of benefits in Atlanta. We have. Georgia Tech, which you used to be a professor there. We have people that are turning out lots of unbelievable data scientists here. Sure, yeah. Not to mention the fact that we have um, a great economy. Atlanta is a great place to live. And I think it's just um, it's just something that um, is exciting. Yeah. It really is. I think we, we do have a big opportunity here. I feel like we have a lot of meetups. We have organizational structures. We have TAG, of course, with a very active membership We've got um, great schools and great companies to work for, like great Cox. companies and and innovation labs that's, that's right. have come a long way. So, very nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks again to Spencer Taft from Cox Enterprises for talking to us about balancing the offensive and defensive analytics strategies. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Tag Data Talk, sponsored by Emory Continuing Education. I'm Dr. Beverly Wright. Have a great data set.